This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, just as a quick reminder, uh, today is a day where the kids are heading out. They'll have a, a craft and a song. So if any other children here that want to head out there and work on something, please know that you are invited to be a part of that. Uh, we're excited to do that monthly here, that on these second Sundays we let the kids learn but also to sing. Uh, how much children teach us, I think, is uh, more than I ever knew. Uh, I remember being told by uh, adults in church, it's just great to see you in church when I was younger. And as you get older, you start to realize uh, how much truth there is in that. Uh, just that there is excitement and seeing energy. Uh, how many of you as parents, though, are scared of your child's energy or were scared of your child's energy? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. So it, it cuts two ways. Uh, I get that. Well, what we're going to do this morning uh, is step right in to the text starting in John chapter 1. So we're looking at the Holy Spirit, and today's focus is this idea of being given eyes of faith. You see, to see Jesus, we'll see him through eyes of faith, faith that is going to be granted to us by the Spirit. But to get a setting for that, in our gospel account, we have Philip being invited to actually see Jesus. text begins in this way through John's gospel. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip. (laughs) Who finds him? Jesus finds Philip. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. That's Philip's introduction to Jesus. Jesus finds him and says, follow me. And it changes everything from that point. This call to follow Jesus uh, makes Philip a different person. It makes him into someone uh, who later can say in verse 45, out of that same text, Philip will say, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. That's what he says in verse 45, still of John 1. And what he's referring to, uh, only if you want to take a mental note of it, he's referring back to Deuteronomy 18, verse 18. And I'll read it for you. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. See, for Philip, he goes, this is fulfillment of prophecy. This is what Moses told us. This is what we were told was going to happen. But it's the words of the Lord that become the doorway to belief. You see, Philip actually, Jesus finds him, and then Jesus says to him two words, right? What are they? follow me. It's the word that changes Philip, just the spoken word of God that changes it. And that's where disbelief starts to then fade away through the word. So where does the faith come from? If if we have the word set there, what about faith and its growth? That's what we're looking at here in January and even through February. How is it then that this faith is kindled? How is it born? How does it grow? This is then the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to see and to know. But if you go back to our Old Testament reading, you would recall this is the account of Eli and Samuel. Now, Eli is a priest, and in the setting, what we're reminded of, it is possible for us to not see what is in front of our eyes. Eli is working inside the temple every day, and as he's working there, Samuel is certainly also working. So Samuel lays down and just hears a voice, and it calls out to him, Samuel, Samuel. Now, like a dutiful person, who does he go to when he hears his name called? He goes to his, goes to his boss. He just goes to the person who is helping to be in charge of his life, and now he's serving. He says, hey, I'm here. 
Yeah, if I didn't call you, go, sits back down. Again, he hears his name, Samuel. Okay, gets right up. He goes, all right, maybe there's confusion. Goes back, says again. He says, I didn't call you. And he goes, but this time, go back. And, and, and if you hear it again, at this point, Eli, who didn't understand what was going on, who didn't see what was before his eyes, and Samuel didn't because the Scripture tells us Samuel didn't have eyes of, he did not have eyes of faith. He did not understand and discern that God was present. He says, go back, lay down, and if you hear the voice again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So we're going to allow the text to read this. This is, again, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. And we let the Scriptures paint this picture again for us. Then Eli, this is again after the second time, then Eli perceived. Remember, he had no eyes of faith, but then he perceives. Then Eli perceived the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Very interesting thing unfolds in this story. Did you notice God doesn't change his message? Each time, God says the exact same thing. Scripture even tells us this. And he called him as at other times. He just says, Samuel. You know, some of us need alarm clocks that get what? Progressively louder, if we're willing to admit it. Some of us don't need progressively louder. We just set two or three. Or you may be the person who sets one by your bed and you set the other one by the dresser because you know you can turn off the one that you can cheat on. But the one you have to get up, you're like, well, I guess now that I'm up. And if you're really bad, you set the third one that's somewhere else where you're like, Okay, it's a a really tough night. But you have here, nothing changes. The Lord doesn't change his call. So what changes is that you've now got the Spirit. You've got God directing. You've got someone who's now open to see what's happening. The Lord's message doesn't change. It's us. By faith, we're transformed into the people God would have us to be. God does this transforming act. Eyes of faith and ears of faith are formed by the spoken word. God was speaking the name Samuel, and he is transforming Samuel. And along the way, who else does he transform? You get a little collateral construction, if you will. <laughs> he, he transforms Eli, who goes, oh, <laughs> turns out the word of the Lord's still here. The Lord's still active. He's still got stuff he wants to say. Uh, and Eli was supposed to already get this stuff, and he didn't. He didn't understand it, even though in his road was set there. Uh, we go from what was impossible to what is possible. This is why in the church at times when we will uh, install people, when we'll have confirmations and others, what we, won't, we won't just say, you shall go forth and lead. We'll say, go forth, and if you will, say yes with the help of God. I can't say yes just by myself. I can only do it with God's leading, with God's guidance. Samuel's like, I, I don't understand what's going on. He goes, go back. It's going to be the Lord talking to you. After Eli was awoken and given eyes of faith. Samuel then is given eyes of faith for us as well. We need to be given eyes to realize what I thought was impossible is possible if I say yes with the help of God. If I'm willing to decrease so that the Lord might increase in my life. So where's the roadblock then? I mean, it's easy for us to say, all right, you know, the roadblock was Eli, this, this priest who didn't kind of get it, so obviously he didn't read the priest manual enough, wasn't, you know, set in this. What about us? What's the roadblock that's keeping us from seeing God's call in our life? What is it that's barricading for us? 
Well, as we look to 1 Corinthians and look to other places, one thing we have to be very cautious of is who do we spend time with? And why are we spending time with them? See, you can do anything in life, but do you know why you're doing it? Are you aware of who you are associating with? Because it can have a profound impact on the way you think and the way you look. 1 Corinthians 6 warns us about this. But it actually starts in an open way. See, as Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he actually says, you know, all things are okay. God actually gives you freedom to go and do lots of things. Some of the conversation is related to dietary restrictions. you got Paul talking about, hey, stuff that used to not be permitted, eat it, it's okay. You're, you're living in a new world. I, I've made all this available to you. But he's also warning them to say, be cautious about what it is that may be unfolding for you. Christian liberty might make something permissible, but it may not actually be beneficial to you. Think about the internet. Is the internet a tool or is the internet a weapon? Did you know that you can actually access the Dead Sea Scrolls in your home? You could actually pull up exact copies of the Dead Sea Scrolls on your mobile phone today. Do you have any idea that there are people who would have scrambled for a lifetime to be able to access them and you could pull it up inside this theater? Now, some of you are like, I still can't read it. Well, don't worry. They'll actually translate some of it for you, too. You're like, that doesn't help me yet, Pastor. I'm just sharing, what an immaccurate tool this is. All of the extant manuscripts, they're accessible to you. You can see them. You have all this scholarship. It's set there. You can, on your phone, pull up not one Bible, but what? Almost countless versions. You can pull them up in simultaneous fashion. You can hit buttons, and it'll help connect and jump you. You don't even have to turn to where Malachi is. You just can hit the link, and it'll take you back to Malachi to show you the reference in Matthew of where this is. But that very same tool can be used to rekindle a lost romance that you should have left long dead because it's destroying the marriage that you committed yourself to. It could be tearing apart a job as you're sharing something you should have never shared. It's tearing apart a family as you're saying something that shouldn't be said. You're blurting out what should have just stayed inside of you. There's a reason why people used to just say things uh, in the bathroom behind closed doors and yell behind a closed door. We now yell it out in the open. And it is fracturing us as a people. Like, any of you ever yell? Let me just ever yell? Did any of you, were you careful where you yelled and how you yelled? We've lost that. So is it a tool or is it a weapon? My point here is just we have to be careful. You have to know how you're associating what you're associating with. 1 Corinthians 6 gives us this picture. Do you not know your bodies are members of Christ? I mean, the thing that you use every day I mean, I guarantee you, you use your body to get here. I know that. It may not function exactly how you wanted to get you here. I know. It may, may be a little slower. It was a little quicker, whatever you want to be. But you're a, your body is a member of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? You're like, well, that seems extreme. <laughs> we prostitute ourselves out all the time when we let something become a priority in our lives that isn't Christ. And you don't have to go to the internet to get to a prostitute. I mean, that's the easy cop-out. Anything in your life that becomes more a priority than Christ, you are indeed substituting your body for the one thing your body was intended to be. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, no one saw what I did. If the Holy Spirit is inside you, anything you did, I assure you, the Holy Spirit had a very much front row seat 
to the thing that he would call debauchery. But we convince ourselves, no one saw it. No one knows. My spouse, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my neighbor, my teacher, my employer, they don't know. Why do you think that they're the ones that you should be worried about? We even get that warning in Scripture, right? Do not be worried about the one that can remove body. Be worried about the one that can actually do what? (laughs) Draw you down into eternal death. It's a warning against Satan, the one who's trying to trip you up, the one who's ultimately trying to remove you and to destroy you. We have to remember then that we often sell ourselves out. We sell ourselves short. We sell ourselves out to relaxation and entertainment. We sell ourselves out to free time. We're created in the image of God, yet how often do we find ourselves floating from it? I know for a fact the stuff that I am now willing to watch, my parents would have shot me for. I'm not lying to you. There are things that I have just, because of the age that I grew up in, I have become tamed to think that some things are acceptable. It is atrocious. And we are all just allowing this to happen. And it's happening on whose watch? Yours and mine. We're the ones who are allowing to see this shift. Because we're just saying, it's okay because it doesn't affect us, right? Well, that's that's what I keep hearing. It doesn't affect us. The reason I say that I know some of these things uh, have changed for me is because there was an experience I had as a child. I went to a movie theater. Go figure. You guys can all kind of connect with this. This is an easy illustration. So imagine you're in a theater. Got it. All right. So as we went, we went to go see uh, a movie. And as I was there, ballpark, maybe I'm eight or ten. I I forget what it was, uh, but I was young. We get about six minutes into the movie, and you know what we did? We got up and left. Yeah. Man, I was so not happy with my parents. I was like, we don't ever go to the movies. This is our chance. We're going to go see a movie. And I was angry at them. I mean angry. But I learned more for the rest of my life by the anger that I had on that moment because what I realized is my parents were trying to guard me to realize that I actually was one who was a temple of the Holy Spirit and there are certain things I need to guard myself from. That there are things I need to be able to escape from. But sometimes now we cop out, well, I'm just doing market research, you know. I'm just checking so then I could, I could minister to someone else who might be watching this. Don't sell yourself short. Some things we just need to flee. Flee from this immorality. We have to make sure that we have respect for this. This is exactly what Paul is saying in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Like the Holy Spirit is actually in you, whom you have from God. God gave this gift to you. I, I heard someone in, in the last couple of weeks, obviously this is happening to others uh, as well in their lives, the discussion of uh, movies and films Uh, And it went this way. Oh, did you see the new movie? Yeah, you know what, though, Dad? I don't think you'd want to see it. It's good, but, Dad, you you wouldn't want to see it. (laughs) If it's not good for your father or for your mother, why is it good for you? Well, you know, because I have a, I got a 2018 kind of mindset. I'm, I'm okay. I can guard myself from those things. Do not be fooled. Do not be fooled to think that you are going to beat this thing, that you're going to beat this thing that actually has a name. It's Satan. 
Satan will use any way to trick you and to fool you and to get there. But we need to be given by the Spirit eyes of faith to realize God is actually protecting you from yourself and from that sinful side of you that keeps drawing you in. The text continues in this way, speaking of that challenge. You are not your own. This is tough for us as Christians. This is tough for North American Christians to hear. You aren't your own. You don't own yourself. Because you, ladies and gentlemen, were bought with a price. Someone paid for you. I mean, that burns us nationally because we've got this history about slavery and fear and pain and worry, and it is a horrible, atrocious mark on our nation. I want nothing positive to be said about that period. But because of that, this text is tough for us. Well, guess what? Someone did pay for you. And it wasn't bad news. It was the best news we've ever heard. Christ paid with his life for you and he owns you. And he dictates to you and to me how we ought to live because he's given you life. He actually gets to tell us how we are and he gives us eyes of faith to be able to do that. It's why we wake up every day and say, Lord, renew my eyes. Renew my faith. Equip me again. Because you might look at yesterday and say, I'm glad yesterday is yesterday. But Lord, thank you for today. Or you might be looking at this morning and say, Lord, bring this afternoon because this morning's been rough. I didn't sleep because, boy, I've been dealing with a burden. Well, may the Lord be giving you new eyes of faith because God has paid the price. This is the good news. It's paid in full. Nothing else needs to be paid on your behalf. There's no sacrifice you need to make. There's no burden you have to take. The burden is lifted. Freedom in Christ means that you have this today. But you have to be willing to diminish so that God might increase. It's something for us that began in our baptism, and the Lord is raising this up as our eyes of faith become able to see so much more. Think to your own experience of growing in Christ and growing in the church. What I knew when I was nine was very different than what I knew when I was 19. What I knew when I was 29 was very different than what I knew was... 38. I'm, I'm getting there. I mean, I couldn't quite get to 39. Don't worry, it's coming. And some of you are like, don't worry, we got a few more, Pastor. You'll see the decades they start adding up. I know. But realize God gives us different seasons of life. And you might say, yeah, but right now I feel like I have less than I had 10 years ago. This is, unfortunately for us, sometimes what it means to walk as a child of the light. We need that light to continue to illuminate us. This is why we're here. Just look around for me. Truly, just look around. Are you alone here? You're not. If you walked in here and said you feel alone, you're not. You may feel it, but I want you to physically realize the presence of others in this room. This is why God asks his church family to meet together. Because you aren't alone. If you're alone, you are choosing in many ways to isolate yourself. I know some things are very private. I know some things you're not going to be able to share with every person here. But you need to hear from me and from God today, stop trying to do it alone. You don't have to. doesn't mean you have to expose every burden that you have to the people around here, but at least you can realize, you know what? Anyone ever feel burdened in this room? I just want you to raise your hands. I'm serious. There's a reason why I'm doing it. Anyone felt burdened? See, if you just look around, I see almost every hand raised. So if you're like, but no one else has felt a burden, you just saw a lot of hands. There are lots of burdens. But how many of you also, through the eyes of faith and through Christ, have realized that God has deliverance in store for you? I want you to keep your hand raised if you think greater things are coming. See, this is the best thing. See, the good news for us isn't that this isn't the end. I mean, this, this isn't where it stops. 
It's not January 14, 2018, pastor preached, yay, we had the end. No, God says it gets even better. See, what we know now, we know in part. But when Christ comes in, we will then know in full. May the Holy Spirit continue to enliven you over these coming weeks as we hear what it means to be given eyes of faith and to be equipped for the challenges that are in our life now, the one that may come in the coming hours, in the coming weeks or the days, or to rejoice in what God has just delivered us from. Because you may be coming this morning going, God, you just did a mighty work. But whether he just did a mighty work or he's about to do one in your life, what a mighty God we serve. Amen. Lord God, you are all-powerful, all-seeing, and all-knowing. May you strengthen us that we may never be alone. You have made us in your image. You, the greatest example of community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are present here. Guide us, we pray. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 9.30 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.